Oh no! How, how can you be mad? Oh, why no. you have? Why you have to be mad? I have to stop the show now. <laughs> they once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 8 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. It is Travis Curra. He is John Fraser, I guess. We have to start with a terrifying bit of... uh... I don't even even want to call it entertainment. Sing for me, baby! Sing for me! Oh, man. So what happened was what... We had had a little bit of a bet on the Alouettes and Blue Bombers game last week. I chose Montreal. You said if they lost, I would have to sing the Guess Who. So, how much of a song do I have to do, man? Um, let's uh, let's go with the let's go with the course. Uh, just long enough to get that uh, you know the riff that everybody knows from these eyes. Okay, okay, okay. We don't need to hear the these. Whole- <laughs> All right, all right, now go. This, now, if I do this at karaoke, I'm usually about seven or eight Pilsners deep. <laughs> I am no Pilsners deep. <laughs> well, let's hope, let's hope our listening audience uh, maybe has at least had uh, a Labatt Blue or, uh, or a Great Western or something. <laughs> all right. These eyes are crying. <laughs> These eyes have seen, seen another love, but they're never going to see another, another one like, like I had with you. you. That's a classic. That reminds me of the 2011 Great Cup. Now, if I'm not mistaken, usually touchdown Manitoba is like a one-night thing. Yep. But there, they had, I think, the Elephant and Castle Pub, and it was like Winnipeg headquarters, and all they did was play music from Winnipeg. Well, I remember that we went there, and it became a fairly regular stop for us. It was the Elephant and Castle right on Burrard Street, and the owner was from Manitoba, so he said, well... We're going to make this a, a Winnipeg thing. And it was like a $5 discount on the cover if you were wearing a Blue Bombers jersey. So uh cover was cheap for me the whole week. And uh, they played, yeah, they played nothing. There was the Watchmen. There was the Guess Who, Burton Cummings. It was uh, it was phenomenal. It was a great soundtrack. Usually we would uh, we'd hit that place up before uh, beginning our adventures. And adventures, they certainly were in 2011. You didn't mention that if you wore green, they doubled the cover charge. And I still covered it for you. <laughs> I think we. Yeah, so thanks for that. Hey, no problem. I think we sweet talked uh, the doorman on about the third trip there. And I'm like, come on, we've been here three times. And he's like, all right, it's fine. You can pay the normal cover, Mr. Green Guy. Yeah, we were basically VIP by the end of that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to the news. I do want to mention, now I don't have the stats on this, but I think the biggest talk about this season is the amount of orange we're seeing on the field. Now, I I feel like it's people that 
maybe are a little bit more of a casual fan or or they just follow one team because for me I, if I'm being honest, I was actually expecting there to be more flags on the field. Well, I think it, right now it's depending on the game, and it's just it is summer. Just I remember watching the the end of that. Uh, I was watching the Riders and BC game, and at one point there was about four consecutive plays with penalties, and that's the kind of thing that just like oh, it just makes you lose attention so fast. And I'm not saying these are good calls, bad calls. This is what the league has decided to go with. This is what they're going to do, and this is the way it's going to be. So they can't really turn around and say, oh, by the way, we're changing things now. But, yeah, it, it's 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 been, it's been very not good. You can't really just complain about your team, too, because, let's face it, everybody has to play with these rules. The one that bothers me is not, you know, the illegal contact on the receiver, the pass interference. It's the objectionable conduct. Does... Any time a receiver throws his arms up because he thinks it should be pass interference, it's getting flagged. But that was last year they put that in. It's just nobody seemed to notice it because there wasn't as as I don't think as much attention was paid on the officials last year, but that rule was actually put into place last year. So whenever that's why guys stopped doing it to a certain degree, and it's supposed to be an automatic flag, but I think referees had some discretion last year, but uh this year, yeah, they're uh, they're throwing the orange if you're uh, if you're calling for the flag, and I mean rightfully so. I don't think the uh, I don't think the league wants any more attention uh, paid to uh, to some of the officiating. And I did want to say, a lot of the calls now, I know on the surface it's like there are all these new rules, but a lot of them. They'd be penalties last year yeah. or penalties the year before. There's just a lot of undisciplined football. I actually had a buddy that was in the stands for the Stamps and Argos game, and he had said, this just makes me laugh. He, he said, why don't they fire Huffnagel? His team's playing undisciplined football. Because <laughs> somebody said that. Fire John yes. Huffnagel because of too many penalties. <laughs> oh, that is... It's funny because you'll always find somebody out there somewhere who believes the most ridiculous stuff. And if, yep. if you find them, uh, they'll always have an opinion that, that makes you roll. That almost like I almost want to throw it out there to our Twitter followers and our Facebook fans. What is the most ridiculous thing you've heard that someone said was true? Remember me going off last week about the whole, oh, yeah, you know, Zach Caleros is an average quarterback. Uh, <laughs> that wins for me so far this season. But I'm trying to think of oh, – and, again, what I always find ridiculous, is, and obviously that's not happening this year in Saskatchewan, but being a guy that's here in Saskatchewan in Saskatoon – and last year, when everybody was calling, when the offense wasn't really winning games for the Riders, when they were so good defensively, but still getting it done, they were all calling for Tino Sinceri. I mean, Deary Durant oh, won know. you a great cup. Tino, like, nice guy, and I'm glad to see he's getting another shot in green and white, because, again, he's a spectacular person. But, man, is he a terrible quarterback. The most popular player in Saskatchewan is always the backup quarterback, no matter what. I don't know. Darian Durant could win five Grey Cups in a row, and then if he screwed up the home opener the following year, <laughs> hey, we want the we want the other guy in, and it just wouldn't stop. Well, it's I have insane. I have to say, I haven't heard anything yet calling for Kevin Glenn's job, 
But that, uh, who knows, one bad game from Kevin Glenn, and they're going to be calling for Brett Smith. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Glenn, to me, has been the only reason that the games have been close uh, as far as the Riders are concerned. And here's there's people still wanting to eviscerate him. Yeah, I do want to talk about crazy people in the stands, man. And to me, th- this just drives me nuts. Now, I also write articles for uh, CFLPass.ca, and I kind of alluded to it, but I went to the Eskimos and Red Blacks game, and I show up to my seat, and it's a Thursday, so I got to drive from Red Deer, so I made it just before kickoff, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> the radar went off in my head because there was a guy sitting in my seat. Uh, and I'm like, oh, no, this is off to a great start. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hey man, sorry, you, uh, uh, you're you in my seat. And I showed him my ticket or whatever. And he's like, there's lots of other seats. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I actually specifically went on the seating map. To choose this seat. Yep. I'm sitting here for the season, man. <laughs> like, I, I, that's one thing. Like I've always been a big proponent, and I've done it. Uh, I've actually done it in Edmonton a couple times, where you go to a game and you do the old sneak down move. You're up in some higher seats. You notice some lower ones. You go down. Yep. But the rule number one about doing the sneak down or sitting in somebody else's seat is if the guy shows up with a ticket, just go, hey, you know what, sorry, I just wanted to get a little closer. I mean, nobody... But, and you don't do it before kickoff. No, you do it after <laughs> kickoff. I, did, I remember... Exactly. I did it once at an Edmonton Oilers game halfway through the first period, and the guy showed up halfway through the second, and they're like, oh, oh no. Oh, hey, you're in our seats. And I'm just like, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, uh, my seats weren't that good, so I snuck down. They're like, oh, that's cool. Our buddies beside us aren't coming. Why don't you just shuffle down? It's like... All right, that's the way it's supposed to be. I remember once. Why would you pay like three hundred dollars for a ticket and then show up halfway through the game? <laughs> I don't know. They definitely weren't wearing jerseys. They looked like Maple Leafs fans. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, you I know, you know the type. We all know the type. But there's another time actually in Edmonton, and uh, at least if you're going to do the sneak down, make up a good story. Uh, me and <laughs> two of my buddies, uh, Matt and Jordan, we bought the cheapest seats to an Eskimos and Alouettes game. And we hadn't seen each other in a while, World High School buddies, so we're all catching up, and we're like, man, these seats are way too high up, but we can't afford anything better. I'm like, well, <laughs> none of us care, like, none of us deeply care about the Eskies and Alouettes. We're just here to see a football game. So come halftime, we went from the upper deck down to lower bowl. I told somebody it was Matt's bachelor party, which it wasn't. Uh, and we kept sneaking down lower and lower and lower until we were in the first row behind the Alouettes bench, and it was a rare game where Anthony Calvillo actually got pulled. Wow! My buddy didn't like Calvillo too much, so I don't know which uh, offensive lineman turned around to give him a piece of his mind, but uh, I was terrified. I, I think I pooped a little. <laughs> I uh, I did the sneak down once in Calgary, but it was only because I was too out of shape to make it to my seat in one shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, Man, that was a I sat high for that one. <laughs> oh, and Calgary, there's not a lot of uh it's kind of like Saskatchewan. There's not a lot of rest there. Saskatchewan is uh you get walking around those curvy tunnels at Mosaic and you're feeling the burn even if you're in shape. Oh. Oh, yeah, man. That was, I think, the only exercise I got last season. But <laughs> I, w- I was not done my story, actually. All so right. the guy sits behind me. All right. And it's Thursday night, so I'm thinking there's not going to be too many drunkies in the crowd. But was I ever wrong, man? This guy was full. 
and he is yelling, and he is no shortage of four-letter words. There's kids everywhere. Moms are looking at him being like, come on, guy, watch watch the language. And, yep. you know, once in a while it sneaks out, I'm, and I get that, but yep. every second word? <laughs> like, so, so the guy ends up dropping, uh, I, I still feel bad gross about this he drops his beer directly on me oh no and, and it's not a cup it's uh one of those wide mouth cans yep so it's sitting on my shoulder and pouring down me oh no i'm like oh my god so i and these beers are nine dollars oh so. yeah those aren't cheap <laughs> beers at commonwealth that is for sure I considered to take the beer and chug the rest of it and throw it at him, but I took the beer, I calmly dumped it down the stairs, and I didn't even... Oh, the guy kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was my girlfriend that was getting really mad, and she she wanted to start a fight. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't want the headline saying, uh, Travis from the 2 and Out podcast is, starts a brawl at Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium. So, uh... I, I calmly was like, it's all right, man, just shut up. And and then the usher came up, and he, he came to see if, you know, I was okay. And I'm like, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm just mad. And it turns out the guy left after the first quarter anyway. Oh, so he... And never returned. Came, poured his beer, and made a complete arse of himself. So I will never understand the phenomenon of buying a ticket just to treat the stadium as a bar. <laughs> In certain occasions. Now, I'm I'm a guy, you've been with me, you know I can hold my liquor with the best of them. You can, yeah. I, I enjoy, you know, like you go to the Labor Day Classic, we went to a football game for my, for my bachelor party. You know, in situations like that, you know, will I have three or four more beer than I normally would? Absolutely. But am I so gone that I don't realize what's happening on the field? No. I mean, that's... Have a couple before the game, get a nice warm buzz on, maintain through the game, and then win or lose, either drown your sorrows or celebrate with your bros. That's, you know what, that's another segment we should get people to tweet in on. Don't be that fan. We need to do some, you know how they have pictures on the internet of people shaming their dogs like, oh, I ate my master's <laughs> shoes, whatever. We need this with some fans. We need people if you to do some fan shaming. Yeah, at your bachelor party, I got all my uh, drunken stuff out of the way before the stadium. <laughs> yep, you sure did. And then you went and sat by yourself like some weirdo. <laughs> Let's leave it at that and go to the news. <laughs> In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the 2 and Out podcast. All right, a couple signings in Saskatchewan. Veteran defensive back Jeff Tisdale now has a job again. He took his job. Yeah, uh, not surprising. <laughs> Saskatchewan seemingly everybody and their dog getting hurt. Uh, in fact, if I was a friend of a rider right now, the injury bug's bitten that team so bad, I'd wrap myself in bubble wrap and not go anywhere. Uh, Tisdale, I think he's going to be a nice <laughs> add to the rider's secondary. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's not 
He's an import, which uh, doesn't help, but uh, they do need yeah. some veteran depth there. That is for sure, especially another bit of news at a rider camp today. They lost Levi, not fantasy relevant, but I mean, they lost Levi Steinhauer uh, for the rest of the year. But I like the signing at Tisdale. Apparently, he was slow to catch on to some of the new rules in uh, Montreal, but he's played 114 games. He's got 291 tackles, 29 interceptions, and he's a two-time East All-Star including last season. So I think this is a good move for Saskatchewan. Their defense has been letting them down a little bit, especially late in game so far this year. So we'll see what he can bring to the table if he's uh, adapted to some of the new rules. Eric Fraser, national safety, has a job again. He is in BC. He got cut from uh, Ottawa this season. I thought he was going to crack the team there, but he's... I think he's got a job because he's Canadian, if I'm being honest. Outside of having a great name, of course. Uh, I'm, <laughs> there's a guy I'm floored the Riders didn't bring in. I really thought, you know, there's a veteran guy with the passport that the Riders need because a lot of their injuries to the Riders seem to be happening to Canadians and depth Canadians. Keenan McDougall is out for an extended period of time. Levi Steinhauer out for the rest of the season now, tearing a knee ligament. Uh, Shea Emery, he's going to be out for a while. It just seems as though their Canadian depth is being... is. <sighs> is being really hurt, and I thought a guy like Fraser could come in, kind of play a, a, a mcdougall light role, or at least contribute on special teams, but, you know, BC such a young team, maybe they're uh, giving him a better opportunity. News kind of flew out of the, under the radar from yesterday. Nick Grigsby uh, got released from the Tiger Cats. Uh, it, when that hit my feed, I was uh, I was quite surprised. And I, I sent out a tweet from my personal account, at John CJWW, uh, that... Maybe it was because he was a head case, but then the always fantastic, I read uh, Drew Edwards had a nice piece saying basically that the Tiger Cats were always going to go only with one uh, American running back. It wasn't salary related. It wasn't related to some of the dressing room issues that got him released in Winnipeg. It looks just as though they prefer uh, their incumbent and uh, CJ Gable uh, are the guys they like. They like that pass catching back. Uh, so they're yeah. going with those guys rather than Grigsby, who's a straight-ahead runner. And if that's the case, if he's gotten over some of the issues he had in Winnipeg that led to his release, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up someplace. Maybe I'm just going to take a flyer. Maybe he ends up in uh, Edmonton or Ottawa, both of those teams. Uh, I, I know Siobhan Walker has done some really good things in Ottawa, but if you could bring in Grigsby on the cheap, nice thunder and lightning combo, I think he'd be a good add. And I will say this about Siobhan Walker. Now, I've always thought of him as an absolute burner, a guy that can score from anywhere on the field. But watching him live at Commonwealth Stadium, yep. has he ever broken a tackle? The guy has no power. Really? Interesting. I've, uh, I've always yeah. kind, of, kind of thought of that. And maybe that might not be a bad idea to see a guy like Grigsby uh, come in there and at least give them something, something a little different. Maybe it was, you know, maybe he was getting a, get hit a little too early at the offensive line, but he just looked like, man, you go down way too easy for a running back. And if he can break one, he can break one. But if, 
it seemed like he was down basically first contact every single time, and Grigsby is not. Well, I that I, I think back. that whole Ottawa team was down first contact every <laughs> single time as they got that is absolutely that tuned by the Eskimos. And if it wasn't for our favorite, the fat guy touchdown, yeah, <laughs> that would have been a much uglier game. But uh, the, as soon as I knew that Zach Evans had run that ball back sixty plus yards for a touchdown. <laughs> as soon as my phone buzzed, I'm like, well, that's going to be Travis. And Travis is going to be saying, <laughs> fat guy, touchdown! What a bizarre... I don't know if you saw the play. We'll talk about it when we get to the games here. But, man, it was just so bizarre. Like, what What are you doing, Matt Nichols? <laughs> he was right there, right into his breadbasket. It was funny. And that's why Matt Nichols is Matt Nichols, even though he led the Eskimos <laughs> to victory. Only, uh, and we'll get into more detail, but he only completed 12 passes. Well, 13 if you count the one that he handed off to Evans. <laughs> Bear Woods hits the six-game injured list, and honestly, it looked like the Montreal defense was missing him against uh, Winnipeg last week, and he had uh, surgery to repair his pectoral muscles, so he's going to be out for quite some time. I don't know if we're going to see him again for the rest of the year. It, he's out for the rest of the year. That was confirmed by the Owls uh, yeah, okay. late last week, but you are right. You can look at the uh, numbers at Winnipeg. Uh, even though Winnipeg didn't have big rushing numbers, they seem to be able to do uh, some, some things like keep drives going. I mean, Winnipeg, a big part of that was defense and special teams that uh, that went over Montreal. The offense wasn't really that prolific, but even from a fantasy perspective, I have Bear Woods or had him on one of our fantasy teams, and losing him is a giant loss there. But uh, if you can still go out and pick up a guy like Chip Cox, uh, I know I was able to do that in our league. Uh, expect Chip to be on the field a lot more. Or uh, also, there's Ellsworth there uh, in Montreal as well. He's a he's a good find if you can actually get your hands on him Kyler Ellsworth he's a rookie 11 tackles in his first game uh, last year looks like he's going to see a bigger role that Montreal defense yeah and I think Winston Venable is going to put up some cool numbers uh, for the Alouettes the rest of the year Chad Simpson in Edmonton now he was banged up last game and healthy or not in the two games so far he's hardly done anything it looked like Shakir Bell was getting some carries in practice Early this week, um, Kendall Lawrence, he kind of took the load against Ottawa. Bell wasn't on the roster, and he actually looked pretty good. But if they have Bell on the upcoming roster, it looks like he's going to get a little bit of a shot here. Simpson just hasn't he hasn't been doing anything, and we did expect he wasn't going to play all 18 games. He's had injury problems in the past, and it looks like already this season he is banged up. And, and I'll and I'll be the first and I'll be the first to admit, Trav, uh, we were wrong. I didn't think that Lawrence was going to see a lot of time uh, out yeah. of the backfield. I thought they used him as a receiver, but uh, obviously with Simpson being ineffective, they've gone with that. So we'll see what uh, that is a deep league find right now, Shakir Bell. If you've just lost. Uh, a guy, he might be a guy that you take a look at and pick up because uh, you and I are both high on him. I think uh, by Labor Day, we'll be seeing more of him. But uh, again, we've also been wrong in the Edmonton Eskimos running back situation before, such as this year. Yeah, honestly, I've got Anthony Coombs on a roster, and I don't know what to do with him. We'll, we'll talk about him uh, regarding yesterday's game, but uh, he had five touches for, I think, minus five yards. Yeah, so that, wasn't he... a, 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 that wasn't a great game. Uh, yeah, three touches for minus five yards. Yeah, let's get to the fantasy news. 
Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. All right. Ottawa-Edmonton was the first game of the week. And so I was playing. Now, I do have to say this. In a league that I'm in, you had the Ottawa quarterbacks as your bye week quarterback. Oh, my God. Five points. That sounds oddly <laughs> like a league you and I are in. And I played you. Yeah, let's not bring that up. <laughs> What did I beat you by? About 110? 110 <laughs> points, yep. Um, it was 190-something to 80-something. I had the Ottawa quarterbacks. I did have Andrew Harris that had a big game. It was just, it was not a good day for uh, Don't Maze Me, bro. Uh, it was not a good week. Uh, kudos to you for going out and utterly and completely destroying me. I did get lucky with a pick there. I had uh, some bye week uh, things going on with uh, Hamilton on bye so I just went and picked up John Ojo uh, defensive back for the Eskimos and uh, pretty much the first drive of the game pick six <laughs> I, I was like hey yeah I had the kind of week I looked at my roster and went I don't have enough roster room to change everybody off that's out on a bye right now I'm just gonna leave him in there this is not gonna be a good week so you just took your lumps and uh, I took my lumps, took a pounding I, like a man. I knew I knew it was going to be ugly, and uh, ugly it was. I don't know what to think about either of these teams. I still think they're trying to get their legs under them for the season. Is this more of the true colors from Edmonton and Ottawa? You're going to expect the rest of the year. Uh, I th I would think so. I think Edmonton's defense uh, wasn't great in the first uh, in their first game of the year. Uh, I think they've kind of found themselves as a unit. Uh, they made Ottawa look just silly, and uh, that Ottawa offense was brought d back down to earth a little bit. I don't know if maybe it was some inexperience on the Red Blacks part. Maybe they got a little too uh, too confident. But yeah, it's just. Edmonton just utterly came out and gave these guys their lumps. No offensive touchdowns scored uh, by the Red Blacks. Edmonton's defense was just doing great. But, again, that being said, I mean, uh, Darius Bowman does what Bowman does. 120 yards. Kendall Lawrence, 79 yards rushing. But Matt Nichols, and again... I'm a big guy in completion percentage. He was just 12 for 21 for 212 yards, three touchdowns. He did have those those three touchdown passes, obviously helping his value. But maybe Ottawa now basically says, all right, go ahead and run on us. Try to pass. I mean, it's hard to shut down that Edmonton passing offense. But I think with Matt Nichols, I, th I think you're going to see teams try to make him make decisions and uh, and make Nichols beat them. It's funny because watching the game, I didn't – I wasn't impressed at all by Edmonton's offense. They, I felt like they really didn't do all that much at all. Well, short short fields, too. I mean, you had an interception yeah. from Burris, an interception from DeMarco. You, you had a couple fumbles there by Ottawa. Just, just not a, You know what? I think Ottawa, and they said it best, they basically walked off the field and said, you know what? We took our lumps there. We just didn't have it tonight, and uh, and let's do better, which means the giant imaginary counter of games until Tyrell gets waxed remains at 10. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was the most disappointing part for me. And <laughs> In CFL Pick'em this week, now, I don't know about you, but I, I went one and three, but three of the games were decided by five or less points. I also went one and three. <laughs> So it doesn't. Did, hey, did as a unit, did we get all four games right or no? Um, which game did you get right? I got uh, Calgary over Toronto. I got which went against my pick on the podcast. Edmund, 
I got Edmonton over uh, Ottawa. Wow. We uh, were combined two for eight. <laughs> so everybody turns their uh, iPod off now and stops listening to us. <laughs> We've just lost all credibility. Needless, <laughs> needless to say, you know, just pick the opposite of what we pick because that seems to be working well so far. Yeah, moving on to Montreal and Winnipeg. Woohoo! Isn't that team completely different when they have their quarterback? It, it It's just like there's an air of confidence to them. And again, I'll say it. I've been saying it all year. I think the Tiger Cats might be the best team in the CFL. Winnipeg lost their quarterback. Mm-hmm. They took their lumps. I don't even know if Willie knew exactly where he was. Uh, he did lead the <laughs> lead the Bombers in rushing yardage as well. Uh, not a great ga- day for Cam Marshall or Paris Cotton, both of them taking a step back. I know Winnipeg head coach Mike O'Shea saying uh, earlier this week at practice, I need more out of both those guys. Looks like the Blue Bombers are getting Patrick Newfeld back on the offensive line. Uh, he's oft injured, but but uh, talented when he's actually healthy. Clarence Denmark and Nick Moore, uh, not surprising. Two of the Winnipeg's two leading receivers. It looks like Moore is in shape. He's healthy. Seven catches for 71. Denmark uh, doing what Denmark does, that big play ability. Two grabs, 73 yards. So Willie has his two favorite guys. Uh, Cotton, not with a terrible game, also added 33 yards uh, through the air. But I know when you're getting called out by Mike O'Shea, I would be terrified to... uh, you know, uh, do anything wrong because uh, he scares me. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, by the way, also winning this game without a single offensive touchdown. Wow. Is Paris Cotton going to lose his job to Marshall? I mean, Cotton had 10 carries for 20 yards. That's not that good. I don't. <laughs> that might be an understatement. I don't see him losing his job. I see them doing a lot of two-back stuff. Uh, they've been kind of doing that since the preseason. Let one of your two guys get hot, uh, and they've got more potential to get hot, especially late in the game if their legs uh, are fresh. So that'll be a situation to watch. Uh, I, I can't imagine Nick Grigsby ending up back in Winnipeg after what went down there last season, but yeah. there's another landing spot for maybe a potential uh, running back. But yeah, if Winnipeg, if you can win a game where you don't score an offensive touchdown, that's got to be a good feeling. That is what we know is winning ugly uh winning ugly too for your fantasy teams because nobody really doing much of anything unless you happen to have uh one of the winnipeg players converting on either the block punt or the interception return or if you had sj green or if you had (laughs) sj green sj green six catches 180 yards him and rakeem cato cato uh two interceptions uh making some young guy mistakes uh, not the follow-up to his debut that he wanted. Still threw for 317 yards. Tyrell Sutton, two touchdowns rushing uh, for the Owls. Uh, 14 carries for, for 74 yards. He's looking like the real real deal. SJ Green's looking like the real deal. I, I think Rakeem Cato will bounce back. I think we're going to see a lot more good things uh, out of this young man. He seems to have all the tools. Just a couple bad reads against uh, an aggressive Winnipeg defense that uh, played really, really well on Friday night. Sutton is the leading rusher in the league at this point, so I'm feeling really good. In TSN Fantasy, I have him going every single week, and I have no plans in taking him out. He got another two touchdowns against the Bombers that game. So once they get in close, he is a bruising running back, and if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a big year. Last year, I didn't really realize it, but there were only... 
there was only one rusher that rushed for a thousand yards, and he played half the season. Yeah, and his name is John Cornish, and he's amazing. So it was not the best year. Actually, it wasn't the best offensive year because I think there was only three receivers that got a thousand yards. Yep. It- this year. Everything's changed so far. Yeah, look out. You're going to see some big numbers. Uh, I'm with you. I've been high on Tyrell Sutton since uh, since the beginning. Uh, I really like him. You and I both really like him. Uh, he's got a little bit of breakaway speed ripping off that one 19-yard uh, run, but like you said, down near the goal line, uh, that's who they're going to look to. And until somebody figures out a way to stop it, that's what they're going to keep doing. And as you said, Ellsworth for the Alouettes, 11 tackles uh, in Bearwood's absence. So if he is out there anywhere, you got to go grab him and uh, put him on that team because he'll put up some big numbers for you. Absolutely, he will. A game that I really was hoping I never had to talk about again. Ah! Uh, (laughs) This is bad, man. BC and Saskatchewan. Oh, and three for the first time since 2011. And here's a big reason why. I was just, I got frustrated watching this game. Saskatchewan, 15 flags for 120 yards. These, these are just the accepted penalties. BC, 17 for 152. That's 32 penalties in one game. Just. It, uh, it was choppy. It was ugly. It was a young BC Lions team still trying to figure out what they were doing. Even though that 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 comeback, I mean, when was the last time you saw a team down two scores, including a, a, a two point convert, with less than two minutes to go, win the football game? And this is what the league wants, though. Well, yeah, that's no lead is safe. And, I mean, that continues to to ring true. Travis Lule, uh, again, his uh, shoulder hasn't turned into Play-Doh yet. Uh, 34 for 44, 404 yards, three touchdowns. Andrew Harris kept out of the end zone, ran 12 times uh, for 70 yards, but also added six grabs for 74 yards. And uh, the... (laughs) Five field goals from BC's uh, rookie, Leon, including the one that everybody's going to remember, the 55-yarder to tie it up, sending it to overtime and uh, putting an absolute panic in Ryderville. Uh, Travis, I cover the team. You're a fan of the team. Uh, Are you panicking? Man, I'm not panicking. This sounds weird, but I feel like it's a very positive 0-3. (laughs) Interesting. Because they they lost three games, but they only by a a score, a combined score of nine. They've had the lead in every single game this year, including the preseason, losing them all in the fourth quarter. So I think if you just fix that, then they'll be okay. It was the end of this game where I found that they kind of lost their confidence. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to Luke Mullinder after the game, and he had said when the Riders got stuffed on the third and one in the fourth quarter that caused the turnover on downs with BC was able to tie it up the long field goal, why didn't they go for it third and one in overtime? Because you have... Chris Best, you have Brandon Labatt, you have Xavier Fulton. You better bet 
that those offensive linemen aren't going to be missing a third and one two times in a row. Well, and an interesting point to that, uh, on uh, on Rod Peterson's sports cage on 620 CKRM, Rod Peterson, the voice of the Riders, uh, Luke Mullender, also on the program uh, yesterday, or on Monday, I should say, uh, and Brennan Tamman was in, and Tamman was white hot. First, he flat out said, I don't see how you don't call Smith's forward progress for a first down on the first one. Then the second one, he said if Corey Chamberlain was able to measure, he would have gone for it. Because from that far away, Chamberlain has no way of telling what the down and distance is. you got to remember, it looks nice and flat on your TV screen. But from a guy who's been on many, many fields, there's always a slight curvature to them for drainage whenever it rains. Yep, yep, yep. Now, the, I don't know what the curvature was like in BC, but it makes it even harder to see that far side of the field. And Tamman flat out said if Corey was able to request a measurement, which we can't anymore, again, because of the new rules he would have gone for it because Chamberlain has no way of telling on that far side of the field. Is it a yard and a half? Is it six inches? Because, again, you watch at home, you watch in high def, you watch with your zoomed-in camera, you see it's half a yard. You can't tell from across the field. So I think that's why they didn't go for it. Tamman was absolutely sticking up for Chamberlain on the sports cage, and he was white hot, which uh, for Brennan Tamman is uh, is very rare. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think the riders have the potential. I think the number one thing that concerns me is – You'd expect a young team like BC to blow a fourth quarter lead. This is a Saskatchewan team that is veteran heavy. They're the oldest team in the league. They should know what to do in that spot. I know the three losses are just by a combined nine points, but I'm starting to see trouble. You're seeing the injuries pile up to both the depth guys and the stars in Saskatchewan. Don't forget Tyron Brackenridge was banged up. Weston Dressler was banged up. They haven't. They missed the you know the first game of the year, but oh yeah, they're fine. Those guys are already playing through something. Who knows what everybody else is because Saskatchewan's depth is quickly being revealed and it's starting to come up a little shallow for the first time in recent memory. Full kudos to BC on the comeback, but I said it I said it in I believe our, our season preview that I could see Saskatchewan if they don't if they don't get healthy or stay healthy going six and twelve and I'm starting to think we might we might see that. That is a talented group, but their schedule right now coming up, Travis, again, I I don't think BC is one of the stronger teams in the league, and I've said that before, I've said that here. This Friday, they see BC, they're at home, they've already played twice at home as well, which is normally hell to play in. I, on my show on CJWW, had XCFLer Rhett McLean in, who played against uh, said Riders. Uh, we're going to have Rhett on the show one day too, by the way, uh, but he said it was one of the hardest places to play, but right now, home to BC, home to Hamilton, in Edmonton, in Toronto, home to Calgary, at Ottawa. I don't see a lot of easy games there. Then there's the home-and-home with Winnipeg, which Winnipeg will drop at least one. Uh, Then (laughs) home to Ottawa, home to Montreal, in BC, in Hamilton, home to Edmonton, at Calgary, at Montreal to close the year. I just And you did talk about it. Four of the first five games of this season are at home for Saskatchewan, and those are the games you need to win, but four of the last five games are on the road. Yeah. So heading into the playoffs, it's not going to be easy. They need... uh... I hate to say it, we all joke, yeah, okay, things don't really begin until Labor Day, but even for their own 
psyche. Saskatchewan needs a win at home against BC uh, this week. I personally think they're going to get it. We'll talk more in the picks, but after that, I think Hamilton beats them. I think uh, I think they might lose in Edmonton, and their next best chance to win comes when they're in Toronto, only because the Rogers Center is a gaping dome of uh, all lost hope. <laughs> but uh, good uh, history there for the Riders. They've won two great cups on that uh, field. Uh, yeah, I, I know I give... was there for one of them. <laughs> yeah, against your team. That, that yeah, awesome. yeah, because uh, Kevin Glenn <laughs> broke his arm. And your boyfriend, Dinwiddie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to give props to Adam Big Hill because I know they did say that uh, Brett Smith, forward progress, which yeah. I thought might have been closer than – uh, maybe thought, but he made a great play. <laughs> oh yeah, Big Hill was was unbelievable, and, and to Saskatchewan, uh, it's funny. You look, uh, you got guys like Knox Jr. that are and Doughty and these newcomers that are doing a lot of the, a lot of the good work defensively. I have yeah. Chick and Hall on my fantasy team. Actually, the one that got its butt kicked against you, and I thought to myself. I'm looking good with Chicken Hall along my defensive line. They've done nothing this year. And you can see, if you go back and watch the tape, look what teams are doing against Saskatchewan right now. They're putting in They're... either a tight end or an extra lineman and basically doubling off you know, Chicken Hall and then one-on-one between George and Connup, whoever's playing that Canadian spot, and telling you, bring your linebackers in. We'll, we'll put our receivers up against your linebackers. And right now, that's working for teams. Look at that last drive by BC. BC went big on that line with tight ends and things like that and Saskatchewan that D-line's just or they got to start sending in you look what happened when they sent in uh, Tristan Jackson on a cornerback blitz it worked well for them he picked up a sack but Saskatchewan's got it they got to do something they got to win this game at home Friday night and I did write a piece on this for CFL Pass or how Saskatchewan can fix it and you just said it Chick Hall George they are not getting any pressure on the quarterbacks at all no and this is the thing. Chamberlain let Richie Hall go. Yep. And he wanted to have a very uh, aggressive defense. That's what everybody says. He wanted to be aggressive. And then the rules changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they got caught up in it worse than anybody. And uh, I'm still super high in Saskatchewan's offense. I think if their defense can get it figured out. I mean, look at Kevin Glenn right now. 868 yep. yards uh, through the air. Uh, Jerome Messam had a nice game. Eight rushes for 85. Weston Dressler, nine for 122. Two touchdowns with a two-point convert. Jamal Richardson ripped off a 46-yarder. It looked like Jamal Richardson of back in the day. Uh, their offense is championship caliber, even with a couple of injuries. But that defense has got to get something going. And uh, I, if I was a Ryder fan, I'd be a touch worried because of the late-blown leads. I know you're looking at the glass half full. I'm a glass empty, half empty kind of guy with the Riders. I did say I could see a six and twelve start uh, finish, and hell, maybe I could see it happening. And for me, like the, we talk about the aggression on defense, if you can't pressure the quarterback, and with the new rules, and you can't touch a receiver, you're not going to be able to cover them. So it, I don't know why they aren't blitzing more. Yeah, I mean, uh, make them make BC or make any offense make mistakes because you're not going to be able to cover these receivers if you can't touch them at all. Yeah, exactly. You're bang on there. It is funny, though. Um, Jerome Messam leading the league in all-purpose yards right now. That When I saw him at training camp, he came in, I'm trying to, uh, CFL-sized, if that's the correct way 
to put it. Messam came in a little leaner, a little faster. He had tried his luck in the NFL before he came back to, to Edmonton originally. And even last year uh, when he was signed by the Riders, he seemed big and bulky. But now uh, he's catching passes. Uh, I mean, the Jock Shapleton offense is going to ask you to catch passes and run some complicated things, but... It seems to be working. Massim fits in that perfectly, and as far as the riders are concerned, they're tickled pink that he uh, calls Toronto, Ontario his hometown. Yeah, he he does have the right passports, and that was another reason why I'm like, no, first of all, I don't know when CFL teams started putting backup quarterbacks in to do the uh, sneak. I don't know where and why that started, but... Why don't you give it to big old Messam, 245 pounds? Like, he's well, there, he's not easy to tackle. There's another problem in that, and the fact that if you hand it off to a running back, you're now starting him five yards behind that line of scrimmage. To me, if I was an offensive coordinator, I would start drawing up plays where your running back took a direct snap. It allows you to have an extra guy on the field. I get it. It takes away the threat that he might pass, but let's face it, third and one at your own 45 nobody's passing anyways why not why not essentially eliminate the quarterback direct snap to a running back throw another lineman out there or somebody something like that and get down and get greasy i know why i know why cfl teams put in their backup quarterback and a great example is the kevin glenn 07 year you know you get bodies moving around close to that line things can happen you'd rather see your backup quarterback break an arm than kevin glenn but Man, I, again, I don't know a lot about offense, and maybe I'll talk to my friends of mine who are coaches, but I don't see why teams don't do that. No. Uh, let's go Calgary and Toronto now. It was the rare Monday night football game. Which, it, let's. I'll be interested to see the TV ratings on this one, because I think yeah. if they come back good, we might see more Monday night football up until the time the, uh, the season starts. Because you look, especially... This was a good time for the CFL to have some Monday night football. This is the deadest week in sports. The MLB All-Star game comes along. You know, you don't have the Blue Jays to compete with. The NFL hasn't started. The NHL is nowhere to be found. Their season's over. To me, if I was the CFL, if the ratings come back good on this, I'd take a long look at doing Monday night football until you run up against the NFL. Then you'd be smart. I mean, they have Thursday night football. They have Friday night football. People love the weekend football, but... You know, it'll be an interesting experiment to see the ratings from Thursday night to Monday night. The Stampeders here are showing a little bit of uh, regression with Stanley Bryant and Brett Jones being gone. Cornish just seems very pedestrian on the ground. He's got a 4.7 yards per carry average, and that is by far a uh, career low for him. But we, we know that the trademark Cornish, like, 200-yard game yeah, is, go- is going to be coming soon. But it's been a slow start for him. Well, you have to remember, Trav, that uh, they also lost two of their offensive yeah. linemen last night. So Quinn Smith, the defensive lineman who played a little Huge O-line props. in college. Yeah, he played <laughs> O-line in college. Apparently, it was great. I was watching an interview with him this morning. Smith says he actually does meet with the offense once a day just to go over the playbook. So he Because he's been told by Huffnagel, if we lose offensive linemen, you're the guy. You're the guy becoming the, you know, they're not scrambling around to find a guy. He knows a little bit of the offensive playbook. Uh, he knows, obviously, the defensive playbook. So nice to have a guy with that versatility. 
ability. But that being said, you're taking a step back. You're losing a couple guys with CFL experience. You're losing them in the second quarter. I think that was a big reason why John Cornish didn't have a huge game uh, out of the backfield, just uh, 56 yards rushing. He did have uh, the one touchdown, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, the star again. Two touchdowns. He's starting to look a lot more like himself. But I, yeah, you called me crazy when I said don't take John Cornish first overall. Would you be trying to buy him low? Yes. Because because I'm kind with of running you. back. I, would you trade for him? Oh, I would. Anybody not named Messimer Harris right now? And I I think Sutton's the real deal though. So I don't know if you're going to get return value for Tyrell Sutton. But if I offered you Sutton for Cornish right now, you at least think about it. I do. Yeah, it, it's an interesting... Uh, it, it'd be an interesting, interesting thought. For me, if I have Andrew Harris or Jerome Messam, if I have a, one of the other Canadian running backs, because Messam, since day one of Rough Rider training camp, I can tell you has been a big part of that offense. Uh, yep. He might not run for a 1,000 yards, but he's going to you know bring versatility. If I was... Yeah, if I was to offer you Tyrell Sutton straight across, I think you'd. I think there'd be other pieces exchanged, but you'd think about it. I would, yeah. Eric Rogers showing that he was not just a flash in the pan no. late last season. Now Sean Lemon sent out a twa- tweet last night saying, "Well, Eric Rogers isn't going to be in the CFL for long. I think he could be heading to the NFL after the season. Six catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. He <laughs> and he looks like to be one of the favorite targets of Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, him and Bo, Bo Levi having some great chemistry. He's healthy, uh, missed a week. He's back in the lineup and goes ahead and does that against a really aggressive and really impressive uh, Toronto defense. Again, uh, there's one thing that Calgary has done so well for. For so long they've spread the ball around rogers six grabs parker three mcdaniel leading the team with seven grabs fuller and cornish each with four uh west uh only with the one catch but i love the way they spread the ball around it's a really hard offense to stop obviously they've got some talented pieces there but you know what even if if you are ever on a bye week and you need to take a flyer on somebody's depth receiver go grab a calgary receiver you never know when they can be that lucky guy that bo levi looks to yeah, it seems like they're always there's a lot of uh, footballs to go around there, and it, I do want to say about Cornish too. It's been they haven't really been able to play with a, a lead like they did last year, yep. so they haven't been committing to the run all that much. But they did use it to uh, get into the lead a lot last year. I did do the numbers here, and each of the last two years they averaged over 140 yards on the ground per game wow now it's less than 80 interesting and it is three games into the year but but i think i think you're right uh again i look at this game against toronto as a bit of a write-off a because of the injuries b because i think toronto was really good defensively i think it's a if you can maybe buy low on 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 cornish I would do it if you have somebody that's able to do it. Uh, you know, one guy who actually impressed me for Toronto was Tony Gurley. Oh yeah, Tori Gurley. Tori, is a did hell I call of him? Did player. I call him Tony? Yep. <laughs> okay, I'm terrible with names. We need like a wrong name jar or something. Okay, I owe you a maple donut next time I see you because I got another name wrong. Are you trying to give me diabetes? You know how many times you screw up names. <laughs> 
Hey, and I'm the professional sports guy. <laughs> yeah, Gurley's a big guy. And actually, I really like all of the Toronto receivers. Owens, Elliott, Gurley, and Hazleton. They all have the potential to make... Well, I mean, there's Chad Owens, obviously. Yeah. But the other three guys, they're basically unknowns, and they're making a lot of noise. Well, they're all rookies. Yeah. All three of them, three rookie receivers with a quarterback who's starting for the first time ever in the CFL. I mean, he's got some experience. You'd think that's recipe for disaster, but Toronto's got its figured out. Scott Milinovic is a is a great offensive coordinator, great offensive mind. Uh, Harris was not happy with the way he played after the game. From a fantasy perspective, he had a not bad game, 223 with two touchdowns against the one pick. Uh, rushing, they didn't really commit to the run. Whitaker no. only with six attempts, uh, 34 yards. Again, not a bad average but they just didn't seem to want to run looks like they wanted to pass against calgary uh which hurt their value a little bit uh whitaker also uh two catches as well there so kind of a down game for the argonauts but uh, i think they're still to me they've maybe been the early season surprise they're better than i thought they would be uh while calgary they've been in a couple tight ones and they, they keep coming out on top so i i still say this could be a year where nine or well not nine but 10 or 11 wins wins uh your division They've got some useful defensive options there, too. I've been pumping the tires of A.J. Jefferson all year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gregory Jones is looking good. And yesterday, yes, I was just going to say that. And he's Canadian, and they were using him basically to attack Cornish, and he shut him down. A little Canada on Canada action for you on your Monday night. Ah. Ooh, we're getting exotic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you want to see Canadian on Canadian? We got Canadian on Canadian for you. Watch Greenwood all over Cornish. Yeah. <laughs> that make you Let's hot, stop baby. There. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> That's what I strive for. Let's get to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right. Thursday night football. It is Hamilton in Montreal. Caleros versus Cato. I think... We both agree on who we're picking. Do we really need to discuss? Well, I think. Uh, I, I, can you play a clip of uh, of the song we were talking about earlier today? Can you can you look that up? Can you can you go through your CD collection there? Right. Oh yeah, the Arkell song. And the Arkell song with the Thai Cats. Uh, drop it in on the background here while we make this pick. A, I love the Arkells. B, I love the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, for this, uh, for this one, I just think, again, I've been pumping their tires, one of the league's best teams. Uh, looks like you're starting to get a little healthier. I think Montreal is going to keep it close. Because yeah, they'll put up a I'm, fight. They will put up a fight. This isn't going to be a blowout, but I think Hamilton's going to win it uh, probably by, I would say, a late field goal. I was watching that Winnipeg game uh, against Montreal, and I know we noticed, or I had said that, the, the Alouette defense is pure violence, and against Winnipeg, man... <laughs> They weren't even worried about wrapping up. They were just firing each other across the field like missiles. 
It was it was such a great game. I love the way that that Montreal's defense plays. I think they're going to give uh, Hamilton some fits, but all in all, I, I think it's going to come down to. Uh, I do think it's going to come down to a matchup of of offenses. I think I like Caleros and Fantuz, and you have to think Banks is going to pull something out of his bag of tricks yeah. as he always does. Uh, I like them uh, just over Raheem Cato and the the Montreal offense. Uh, yeah, I, that that Hamilton defense is also physical, so it's going to be if you like old timey slobber knocker uh, football, that's going to be the time. Uh, you know, that'll be the one for you to watch. Friday night football. It is another double header. Um, Edmonton. It's actually there. Both of these games are completing uh, home and homes. Uh, Edmonton is in Ottawa to play the All Caps. Um, it's funny because I want to believe in Ottawa, and, uh, and my heart is taking me over. You know, like it's starting to cloud my judgment, like a Sith Lord being clouded by like hate or jealousy or something. Dark side, yeah. <laughs> oh, I. You know what? I just the way that Edmonton went out and completely eviscerated the Red Blacks. I get it. You're switching home venues. Oh, that's a tough one. But I. I generally see in back-to-back weeks teams are going to find their weaknesses yeah i don't know i'm literally i'm gonna flip a coin in this one and that coin just came up ottawa red blacks i'm picking edmonton because although they put up 46 points last week i don't think it was their best effort and there is still room for improvement especially on the offensive side of the ball so yeah i'm going edmonton um, but something is jumping out at me looking at the slate this week and all the winning teams are jumping out at me and I'm like, this yep. is too easy. I'm going over four. Like <laughs> my, my gut is completely wrong. <laughs> well, I think so. See, I see, and I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going with my brain on the tiger cats pick. My gut says the Ottawa all caps. Uh, and my gut also says in our next game, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will beat the visiting BC Lions. In the jungle, the mighty, the mighty jungle. jungle. No, no, no! You need that. Ex- sleeps tonight. I, I need you to find more. I need you to find more music too, Travis. Uh, <laughs> when you finally get get the chance to. Obviously, we can't do this live. We can't pull up the music. We don't have the technology. But <laughs> when you're producing this later, I want to hear the opening notes of Experience Regina under this. Oh pit. my God! No, that is. I am making the executive decision. You are doing that. Uh, just like you're going to play the the Thai Cats are humming by the Arkells while we're making the Tiger Cats pick. You are going to experience Regina. You know how BC is going to experience Regina? They're going to experience Regina by pain and the noise of Mosaic Stadium. And it's going to be a rowdy crowd that's behind their team fueled by Pilsners on a Friday night. It's a late start, so you know everybody in Saskatchewan is going to be drunk. Yep. And they're going to be loud. And Mosaic is going to be a bad place to play for a young BC Lions team. For a lot of guys, it's going to be their first chance to take in the atmosphere at Mosaic. I think the home crowd powers their riders to actually make a stop on defense with under two <laughs> minutes left. Uh, I think the riders' offense is going to do more good things about BC. And actually, I'm going to pick the riders by more than a touchdown in this one. The last time I went to a night game in Regina was BC and Saskatchewan. Actually, Me too! I, yeah, and what happened at that game, I don't know if you noticed, which it was a couple of years ago, 
and uh-huh. <laughs> running out of the t- tunnel with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders following the team with some drunk fan running out of the helmet. <laughs> the game hadn't even started, so that's what Friday night, 8 o'clock starts doing, Regina. <laughs> it is going it- to be a crazy atmosphere. And it's loud because the last yep. time I was there, I was actually there with my father-in-law and uh, one of my wife's uncles, and we took it in. And none of us were really drinking uh, that hard, but uh, I can tell you the crowd in that place is just at a different level on a Friday night. It's the last day after work. It's a blue-collar province. Everybody is sauce before they get there, and they're loud, and they're proud, and they know their riders need a win. The team knows they need a win. Uh, they've got a mostly full week. They're actually going to have two practices this week. Maybe they can figure some things out defensively. I like some of the guys they brought in. Bringing in Jeff Tisdale uh, was a nice signing. Uh, I... I think you're going to see the Riders win this one, and if you don't, that is officially time to panic in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I agree. I, I've seen BC play a lot. I do want to say uh, I took my dad to his very first game at Taylor Field for his 60th birthday in September of 2011. And, yeah, you know 2011, Sergeant Slaughter started the season as the coach for the Riders, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa Ken came back, and I'll never forget that game. We sat on the east side. It was late September. It must have been about 70 degrees. And the Lions beat the Riders 38-3. to <laughs> Oh, no. I actually went to three games in a row that year. I went to Regina, Edmonton, and Calgary. Yeah. This is how many touchdowns the Riders scored in those three weeks. How many? Zero. <laughs> I, I spent so much money on gas <laughs> they couldn't even get Just, a touchdown now if you think that's bad have i ever told you about my personal losing streak okay i i saw you tweet this and there's no way this is real the last 15 blue bomber games i've been to are all losses now how many of those were labor day games five really two or two or gray cups Five are Labor Day games. Two, I believe, are Banjo Bowls. Uh, the rest are just... And it actually, it starts... Sorry, it's they haven't won in 15 because it all starts with a tie. I went to the, the tie they had with the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, this would have been 2007. That started the streak. I have not been anywhere to watch my... I've been... I've watched the Bombers in Regina in Winnipeg, Edmonton many times, Calgary, BC, Toronto, it all, I have yet to see. We went to the Bombers and Edmonton for my stag. Yeah, and they got and crushed. And they, they were, it was so bad, our friend Gruff got up. <laughs> he left at, at half. At half. Thinking the game was over. All right, game's over, 35 nothing. No, Gruff, it's, it's half. They just <laughs> suck. They're terrible. So have you 30. ever been in the stands for a bomber win? Oh, yeah. No, before okay, that. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I've been to uh, Banjo Bowl wins before that. Okay. That, that is... That is... No, like, I almost feel bad I'm, for you. I'm trying to think what started the streak. It was either because when I went to 2007, I watched 
I watched four games in 2007, four Winnipeg Blue Bomber games. One at the old stadium in Winnipeg was the Banjo Bowl that they blew that big lead to the Riders. The other one was the tie in Edmonton, uh, the Grey Cup loss, and, and another one, I, I think maybe it was either Calgary or, or maybe they played twice in Edmonton. Either way, I saw a lot of Blue Bomber football that year, and that started the streak. And then me and some <laughs> friends used to go to Labor Day every single year. We've since stopped for reasons of the fact that they lose every time. Uh, Shout so out to my buddy Neely, uh, our buddy Neely from uh, Winnipeg. Yeah. Though. He goes every year, and they've lost, is it 10 or 11 in a row now? <laughs> something, something like that. <laughs> something just awful. I believe they still had the like uh, gross green original AstroTurf at Mosaic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the stuff that would give you carpet burn uh, and, and Milt Stiegel. And I think the receiving core was still Milt Stiegel, Kahari Jones uh, throwing them the ball. Uh, Charles Roberts uh, was there. Uh, Arlen Bruce was there. Uh, G- hell, G. Roy Simon might have still been there. I don't know. Chris Walby might have been there. <laughs> Walby might have been there. <laughs> Uh, and that's a nice transition into uh, into the Bombers and Calgary wrapping up the week on Saturday. Uh, I've been going with my gut most of the year. I picked against my Blue Bombers uh, last week. So I'm going to do that again because it seemed to work. Uh, I'll take Calgary by uh, a field goal. Yeah, it looks like uh, Bo Levi is starting to get his stride. So I, I'm going with Bo and the Calgary Stampeders at home at McMahon against the Blue Bombers. Now, uh, can we get all the games right this week? Um... No, it's combined, not a chance. Oh, no. <laughs> well, okay, did we pick it? Okay, we both picked Hamilton. Yeah. We both picked Saskatchewan. I picked the All Caps. You picked the Eskies. So we're guaranteed to get one right. Yeah. <laughs> and you picked the Stamps. Okay, okay, just to hedge our bets, I will take the Bombers. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so there we go. We got Hamilton. I've got Hamilton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. You've got Hamilton, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. All right, lock it in. Those are our picks. Or don't, because we got so many wrong last week. Yeah, do do not. Do not pick follow the op- our picks. Pick the opposite and let us know how it works. I am pretty good at picking individual players. I, I will say that, but at picking wins, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> it's, so, it's embarrassing. Yeah, we're uh, less than good on the wins, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, whenever, just whenever you're feeling bad about the wins, though, and cue it up once again, Travis, you can always experience Regina. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, that does it for episode eight. Are you still playing that? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, here it comes. Oh, no. How how can you be mad? Why you have... Why you have to be mad? I have to stop the show now. (laughs) (laughs) Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Two and out CFL. Oh, my God. I do do have to say this, John. Um, What's that? Our run on the new and noteworthy uh, section of podcasts on iTunes is going to come to an end because you're only allowed on there for the first eight weeks of your podcast. So, you mean we were on there for all eight weeks? Yeah, I just checked uh, today, and I, I think the official eight weeks, hmm, that might come up tomorrow or next week. But uh, we were still on there right next to Stephen Colbert. Hello, obscurity! <laughs> so you know what that means, because we're losing all our really cool spots, 
Uh, if you, the listeners, could subscribe, like, share, tell your friends about us, tell your bosses about us, tell your friends, lovers, side pieces, um, sisters, brothers, mothers, cousins, uh, pet goats that talk for some reason, um, <laughs> tell them all about uh, the Two and Out CFL podcast, or don't, because it's not like we get paid anyways, and we'll continue doing it no matter how bad it gets. We will talk to you next week. Fraser and Cura from the Two and Out CFL podcast.